Welcome to another inspirational message from Gateway Life Church. We're so glad that you've joined us and trust that this podcast will be a blessing to you. I thank you, Lord God, that according to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8, that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the great things that you did throughout all of the New Testament are the same things that you are doing and are going to do today. And as we sing this next song, Lord, which declares and talks about how you are faithful from generation to generation, I just thank you, Lord God, that the supernatural is going to be released. I know you've never let go. I know you've never let go of me. I know you've never let go. And you never will I know you've never let go I know you've never let go of me I know you've never let go And you never will I know you've never let go I know you've never let go of me I know you've never let go And you I see a church building that becomes a great blessing, a gateway of God's kingdom on earth, a place where people personally encounter God's love. We are living in a world where people are looking for love, whether they know it or not. They're looking for love. We're built for love. Do you know that? How could we not be built for love when a loving God and Heavenly Father and Creator made us? When God Himself is love, of course He created us for love. Even more than that, He created us to love. He's called us to love. And so where people personally encounter God's love, salvation, peace, healing, freedom, and the transforming power of Jesus Christ by the divine works of the Holy Spirit. And finally, number 10, this is the church building that I see. And if you're inspired and moved, it could well be the church building that together we see. We're going to continue to talk about this. And uh, by God's grace, it's been so inspiring to, to see people give. We've got one person who's been giving like $1,000 a week into the building fund. We had, I had another lady come up to me uh, three weeks ago. They're currently on holidays. They couldn't be here, but they said, hey, I want you to know that we're pledging $25 a week. I said, oh, thank you so much. That is so, so good. She said, yep, we're doing it indefinitely until the building is paid off. I thought, how cool is that? You know, and we can all have a part. Pastor Graham said yesterday, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. And so what we're going to do right now is receive our tithes and offerings. So if our stewards could come and just receive that. And uh, you can come here. Thank you also. Just whilst that's taking place, I just want to begin to talk about Pastor Graham Kirkwood. 
And uh, he has been a friend of not only Pastor Trina's and mine, but of this church since 2005. But uh, every time he has come, he has always brought a great word in season. So uh, can we please just give it up for Pastor Graham Kirkwood as he comes today to bring God's word. Amen. Amen. Well, it is good to be back again. And look, if you didn't get, if you weren't able to get yesterday morning to the building, that's the, the building breakfast, that's fine. The notes are very summarized. They're just key points. They haven't got some of the ad lib stuff while we go off on either side, but they're the key points that you'll be able to take and do your own Bible study with as you go. You know, it started yesterday with me saying the statement David served and David left. It meant that he served his own generation and then left a legacy for the next. Now, I want to share with you, before I get into the Word today, that before Pastor Jason wrote to me and said, Graham, this is the theme for the weekend and this is the theme for what we are going through at the building program and the fundraising at the moment, before that even happened, God had put these messages on my heart. Now that to me shows that God is a God of order. And I like order because I'm an administrative person by nature. But God is a God of order. So before I even was advised that your key points were going to be about leaving a legacy for the next generation, God had put on my heart the two messages I'm sharing with you, one yesterday morning and the one today, about David and his son Solomon and David serving his own generation and leaving one for the next. Now, if we go across to our first scripture, we're going to pick up our first scripture. Here we go. Okay, 1 Kings chapter 5 and 15 and verse 5. And it says, For David had done what was right in the eyes of the Lord and had not failed to keep any of the Lord's commands all the days of his life except in the case of Uriah the Hittite. Now, when we think of David, we think of the tragic parts of his life, of uh, Bathsheba, of arranging a murder, of other things in his life. But this scripture queer tells us, clearly tells us, that when David had done all that was right in the eyes of the Lord, the Lord loved David despite his challenge of falling away for a moment in relation to one issue. And I wanted to share with you because it says there that David did what was right, because so often in our own minds we go to the things that David did wrong, but in God's eyes he looked to what David had done right recognizing he was restored and repositioned in the kingdom of God. And so we do have blips on our radar. We do have moments where we don't necessarily flow with what God is calling us to do. But it doesn't take us out. As I said yesterday, failure is an event. It is not a thing that defines your identity. And I want to encourage you at the beginning with that. I'm just giving you a quick snapshot to set where we're going on this. So David, that's the first one there. It's a really great verse because it shows you that the Lord really loved David. Now let's go across to the next scripture I've got there so we can pick the next one up there. Right. But it says there in Acts 13.3, it says that David served his own generation. Just ignore the one on the board at the moment. David served his own generation and when his time had come, he was died and was buried with his fathers. Now let's link those two statements. In the book of Acts, about 800 or so years later, after the other verse that I read, it says that David served his own generation. But the other one says that everything that he did pleased the Lord. I love that. That when he went, when his time was up, 
When the digit clicked over to leaving the earth, he was recognized as having served his generation, and then we come to the exciting part. Okay, here we go. All right. All of my sons, there's one verse before that, not sure where verse 2 went, but I'll read verse 2. It says, I had it in my heart to build a house as a place of rest for the ark of the Lord, for the footstool of our God, and I made plans to build it. So this is David speaking. Then we come to what's up there. So let's stay up there now. All of my sons, the Lord has given me many. He has chosen my son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom of the Lord over Israel. He said to me, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house. Oh, hang on. Two verses before, it was his passion to build the house. But God went, no, there is something that's transpired back there that prohibits you. So he says, Solomon, your son is the one who will build my house and my courts, for I have chosen him to be my son and I will be his father. I will establish his kingdom forever if he is unswerving and carry out my commands of the laws as being done at this time. Now, what I find amazing, it goes on to say in verse 8 after that, I'm not sure if we're going to pick that up, but it goes on to say that be careful to follow all of the commands so that you may possess this good land and pass it on as an inheritance to my people. David had the passion for it. David wanted to do it, but God prohibited him for whatever reason. But David just didn't lie down and go, okay, I'm over this. He then said, I'm going to prepare to build it. I want to build it. I'm not allowed to build it, so I will prepare for it. And he arranged the blueprints and he designed it and he got the people, the architects involved and he got all of these other people involved and then he went from there and he raised funds out of his own kingdom or out of the kingdom of Judah at the time or Jerusalem. And then he comes out and says, not only all of this, I will give out of my own personal wealth. I will sacrifice to build the house. And you know, really, that's where we are right now, isn't it? We are in the threshold of raising more money to build the house that we will enjoy in our generation and we will build for the next generation as a legacy for those who are yet to come. So we're on this moment, we're really like, we're really with David right now where he's preparing the resources that are needed, the money, all of those sorts of things, the thoughts about where it could be, the design of it, those sorts of things. He is standing right on the threshold and then God says no, but Solomon will build it, but he still prepares the resources for it. Now, I believe that is the phase we're in right now. We will see it come to pass, but I believe right now it's about building the resource to go forward in strength and not in weakness to build the house of God. And that's where we're positioned right now. But in doing that, we have to understand a few things. Preparing is one thing. Completing is another. And I want to go to part two of my, this two-part message. Yesterday was about David and his preparations and the key points of David. And I want to share with you out of Scripture today now five key things. Five key things that come out of the life of Solomon, his son. The next generation to whom the legacy was being given. So there are five things that are equally applicable to your life and my life as much as the building program and here at the church and so here are the five things and we're going to go through them one at a time but I'll give you the snapshot first first Solomon went to God with the people second he asked for wisdom to lead the people then he acknowledged the foundation and the founding fathers then he requested help 
And then he employed people with specialist skills. And I want to share that with you and take you on a journey through those five things. Is that all right? So let's go to 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 3. There we go. And Solomon and the whole assembly, quote, church, unquote, went to the high place of Gibeon, for God's tent of meeting was there, which Moses, the Lord's servant, had made in the wilderness. Now, Solomon and the whole assembly, everybody who was there at that time, went with Solomon to meet with God as one people with one voice. Every time in Scripture you find that people came together with one voice and one accord for one purpose, God is there and something miraculous happens. Give you another quick example. Let's go to the book of Acts. Holy Spirit fell. They went out. They went out in one purpose, one accord, and 3,000 people got saved in one day. One purpose and one accord, and then the healing miracles broke out. When we stand in unity with the leadership of the church and when the leadership take us to a point of the presence of God, we wait and we listen for his voice. And in your life and mine, it's the same in our own individual lives. They are all in it together and there is incredible strength in doing it together. Do you know, in 2011, I visited the country town called Tamora, just down the road. Even what on earth was Graham doing in Tamora? Well... Pre-COVID, I, well, in 2019, I did 187 air flights and airplanes in the one year. So I travel a lot on planes. I love planes. I've had a flying lesson. I really enjoy planes. So I went to the air show at Tamora, and it was a really hot day. It was about 42 degrees. And so they had the original QF-1, Qantas Flight 1, which is the Constellation aircraft. It's a massive beast. And they had parked it so all of us people from the city who didn't have our, our farming hats on, we could sit under the wings of the plane. And what I thought was amazing was that it reminded me of that verse in the Psalms where it says that we go to the shadow of the Most High. We sit under Him. We go to Him first. But you see, what we do in our lives, and sometimes tragically even in church life, we don't go to God first. We go and talk to somebody else in our connect group or life group, or we go and have a coffee with a friend, and God all the time is sitting there, excuse me, could you talk to me? I'm waiting to talk. I'm waiting to talk. There is a power when we join together and come into the presence of God and when we are led there. And so that's the first thing that he did and the first thing that I wanted to share with you. And so the psalm that says, My soul takes refuge and I take refuge in the shadow of your wings. And that's why I've got that connection to the aeroplane. It's a classic old plane for those who are ever interested. So, but you see, psalms also tells us that those who dwell together in unity, then God commands a blessing. He doesn't suggest it. It's not a good idea. It's not an optional extra. But when people of God stand together in unity as one, going forward, God breaks down the walls that are ahead. He creates a pathway of peace that is ahead. The obstacles that are there, he gives us the strength and the courage to rise up with the wings of an eagle and go over those 
Normally he doesn't move the mountain. He either gets us to go around it or he gets us to go over it or we burn underneath it. But he doesn't necessarily remove it immediately because it's also part of our growth in our own lives and the life of a church. Then we look at those numbers up there and you get 135,000. And some of you I know look at me, gosh, 10,000. No way I could ever do 10,000. We're going to talk about that a little bit later, okay? We're going to talk about that to encourage you a little bit later. But when we come together in unity, and that's why I intentionally said last yesterday, it's not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. And we'll talk about that in a few more minutes. And so I just wanted to share you, he went to God first, not second, not third, not after having read 10 steps to building a church. Not after reading a book that or going and getting a book off the library and I've intentionally went and got a very dangerous book recently because I have a daughter who's into the New Age movement, a daughter-in-law rather, who's very strongly into the New Age movement. And so I went and got a book called The Universe Has Got Your Back. It's unfortunate that if you take the word universe out of it and put the word God in there, it is a perfect biblical book. It talks about love, talks about acceptance, talks about meditation, talks about forgiveness. But they attribute it to the universe not the God who created the universe. We go to him first, church, okay? And I know that in your leadership's life, they have been to God. And they feel, as I feel prophetically for you, it is time to stir it up. And we're to bring in the case of the boy who had five loaves and two fishes, who, by the way, he obviously didn't work at McDonald's because, you know, half a, half a, one fillet of fish on each side makes four, not five. But we've got to bring what we've got in a spirit of unity to God as one. I just wanted to share that. So went there first. What's the second thing that we can learn for our lives and for where we are now? The second thing is we find in 2 Chronicles chapter 1, verse 10, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead this people. He goes to God and he asks for wisdom. Now, one of the amazing things here, just so that you know, in relation to Solomon, God said to him, what do you want? He asked him, what do you want? And he asked for wisdom. He could have asked for more kingdoms in the world. He could have asked for his enemies to disappear. He could have asked for incredible wealth. He could have asked for an amazing new chariot, five-speed, you know, double-slip diff, all those sorts of things that he could use. No, he asked for wisdom because Proverbs tells us that first there is knowledge, second there is understanding, and that leads to wisdom, but wisdom builds the house. So it is important that whatever we know and whatever we understand needs wisdom applied to it to take us to our ultimate destination. But Solomon has an open door. God asks him. Could have asked for anything. In this church, the people are the greatest asset that we have got. In business, if you run a business of any sort, your people are the greatest asset that you could ever have. And so he asks for wisdom of God to lead the people. And our leadership are. We are praying about it. I know that. They are talking about it. They're getting the information. They're getting the facts. You don't just come up with that little diagram that was up there about 2,000 people giving 10,000, this number of people giving 1,000. This. You don't come because you just go, that'll do. It's carefully thought out, carefully processed, carefully thought out. What's the third thing that we find in our lives and the life of the church that Solomon did in the point as about construction was about to start or did start as the legacy money was given. 
Well, the next thing we discover is 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 3. Send me cedar logs as you did for my father David when you sent him cedar to build the palace that he lives in. The thought there is that he, Solomon, is recognizing and acknowledging his father, the founding father. There is something that there is a power in our lives and in the life of church, when we acknowledge those who have gone before, those who have laid a foundation, those who have opened up a pathway, those who have already stood their ground to get something started, I mean, there was a bit of a battle to get into this building, I can tell you that. I want you to understand that there are, you are here where you are today, both as a church and as individuals, because someone else has sacrificed something to get you here. They left a legacy for you to be where you are now, and our time, church, now is to rise and to leave a legacy for the next generation. And it's our time. And in a few years' time, they will look back to you as being the founding fathers of the new building that you ever go into. And you see, what I love is the fact that in our own lives, we acknowledge them in word and in deed. Now, this is something that I said yesterday which troubles me, or not troubles me, but really just baffles me. We know that David failed. We know that David committed adultery. We know that David arranged murder. We know that David had some other flaws. We know that he was still a man after God's own heart despite his failings. But now Solomon is honoring him despite those failings. Here's the next thing. That's number one, two, three, four. Number four. We're getting there. All right. Number four. He requested help. And we're in 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. But who is able to build a temple for him since the heavens and even the highest heavens, talking about God, cannot contain him? Who then am I? Who who am I, Solomon, wisest man in the world? Who am I that I could even possibly build this thing? Do you know what I love about that statement? And it's a statement that should resonate in our heart. God calls us to go into the miraculous. God calls us to go into an area where we're not comfortable God calls us to go into areas where we have a conviction despite it not being convenient. Solomon's reaction is, how on earth can I do this but God? He says, how can I do this? And we're going to touch on verses 7 and 8 in a few minutes, so just leave the verses up there. But he says, who am I? How can I possibly even do this? And so he requests help. I want to share on this one a little bit. Because I'll tell you why. You made an interesting comment, Pastor Jason, when you were here before about some here may feel as though they can't contribute in your reference to my comment yesterday about equal sacrifice. But if I say to you a town called Kalamazoo in America, does anybody know why it's so famous? In a previous time, pre-electronic, they had the most advanced paper accounting system that was ever developed from a town called Kalamazoo, and it was known as the Kalamazoo system. So the town, which is a little, very tiny town, in the middle of nowhere, someone designed something that even today, in smaller businesses, in paper, who work in paper only, not electronic, still use the Kalamazoo system. Now, this is what I thought, I began to think about that a little bit more, you see, and I'll tell you why. I began to think about some of our notable people, and you made reference to people out of this building coming to being leaders in the house in the future. And I began to think about, oh gosh, where was I not long ago? I drove out to Griffith, and I drove through a little tiny town, and I wrote it down here so I could remember it, Barella. Who is one of Australia's most popular and known sportsperson who was born in Barella? Yvonne Goolagong. 
Who was one of the most famous tennis players who was all time, still holds the women's all-time great Grand Slam finals in the world? Not Venus Williams, but an Australian. And where did she come from? Her name is Margaret Courtsmith. Now, where did she come from? Aubrey. You've got an amazing bas- women's basketball leader who came from Aubrey. So don't tell me that there's not greatness sitting in these seats right now. That out of country New South Wales, regional country New South Wales, and even though you're a town of about 60,000 people, there is greatness even sitting here, but you may not realize it yet. And out of the statement that dear old Solomon says, who am I? But yet he still delivers one of the best building programs that was ever made in the world, resourced by his father as a legacy. But there is greatness inside of you. So what I'm saying to you is this, church, that we need to be in a position in our lives with this building program. It is not about equal giving. It's about equal sacrifice. Now, there's a verse I'm going to read to you intentionally now out of Ecclesiastes chapter 9, and it says this. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all of your might. For in the grave where you're going, there's neither work nor planning. But I've seen something else under the sun. The race is not for the swift. The battle is not for the strong. Nor does food come to the wise or wealth to the brilliant or favor to the learned. But time and opportunity happen to them all. It doesn't matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your stage of learning is. It doesn't matter if you left school at 15. It doesn't matter if you've been through 500 jobs. It doesn't matter if you're currently unemployed. It doesn't count. Time and opportunity come to us all, not an individual. So I want to encourage you here. You may be one of the people who've come into the area from overseas as a result of refugee relocation program. It doesn't matter. Get a hold of the fact that in our lives, our own inadequacy means it's God's adequacy. I'm weak in this, but God can make me strong. Stay your course and understand that God has got a plan for you in this building program, even over your finances. And you may say, God, I can only do $5 a week. Thank God you can. And as he multiplies it, then increase it. Sacrifice, but he will open up a way. The last point. On this, I'm going to finish with this one. And that is he employed people with school. And we've left that verse up there. If we go back to that verse, it would be amazing. Send me also cedar halfway down. Cedar and juniper and algum logs from Lebanon. And know that your servants are skilled in cutting my timber there. Servants who will work with yours. I'm sending you Haram Abai, a man of great skill. Now that man is an incredible man when you read what he actually does. But God is going to bring into the church, and within the church now, I believe there's a lot of it, there are going to be various skills needed along the journey of this building program, not just the money. The money is the legacy. The next part will be the things that are needed. So your gifting will be needed. There is going to be even a greater need for hospitality. There's going to be even a greater need for people being sitting beside people who are new to the church. There's going to be a greater need for people to be involved in street teams. There's going to be even a greater need for the activities of the church that you are gifted for, for you to be drawn in. It just may not be the season for that to happen right now in all of its fullness. But Solomon says, I'm not going to do it all myself. We're going to do it as a group and as a team. And so I wanted to share with you, no matter what your gift, 
God's got a place for you in this house. No matter what gift you've got in finances, God's got a place for you in this house. And it's a place to excel and find fulfillment. David loved and was chosen by God. Solomon was loved and chosen by God. And you are loved and chosen by God. But how are you going to respond? Could we pull up the last verse that I think is up there? 1 Chronicles 29 verse 6. There we go. Then the leaders of the families and the officers of the tribes of Israel, the commanders and thousands of commanders of hundreds, and the officials of the gave to the king's worth willingly. Not because they had to. They did it out of conviction. They did not do it out of compunction. They didn't have to do it. They did it because they wanted to do it. There's another verse that comes up, and it says, Now he who is willing, it goes on from that, will let him consecrate himself today. I'm going to ask you all to stand with me for a very valid reason. Because we're at a threshold. I really am confident we are at a threshold right now. That we are in the David generation preparing to build the house. But very soon there's going to be a Solomon generation that needs to rise. Father, I just pray for everyone in the auditorium today. I thank you that they are committed to the house of God, that on a day that's wet, on a day they have to wear a mask, on a day they're not supposed to sing, on a day that we have got four square meter rules, all those sorts of exciting things. Lord, today, that right today, in this moment, there is a God-ordained moment right now. And that, Lord, prophetically, we are right on the edge. We are resourcing to create the legacy of money that will allow Solomon's generation to build, which we will be part of, but it's the threshold of this moment that it's going to go forward. So, Father, I pray over people. Lord, we rebuke the enemy in the areas that he has been seeking to steal and destroy and maim and remove, whether it be their health or whether it be their finances or whether it be their job security. Lord, we just speak a rebuke to him in the name of Jesus. But in its replace, Lord, we replace it with the fact that when we do that, we know that we are in your presence, that you are the one who gives us a pathway of peace, that you are the restorer of our soul, that you are the one who is the reviver of our light. You are the one who gives light to our eyes, as we'll discover in the next service. So right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus, as a group of people, I pray over them. As they consecrate themselves in this moment, I pray for an amazing touch of your Holy Spirit over their lives, that what we've taught today about simple practical steps on how to do it, that it will be their portion. Amen. Thank you so much for that word, Pastor Graham. But Colin, a dear brother Colin, hello, mate. Good to see you. He sent me this on Thursday. He said, hi, Jason. Just like to tell you that men's group last night, he was referring to last Wednesday, was amazing. I have never in my life felt love like it. The guys inspire me. They give me confidence and they never judge me. God bless you and your family and so on. And so isn't that wonderful what God is doing? This is cool. As much as I am expecting and excited and believe in our building fund program, it doesn't mean anything if we're not building the lives of people. And the most important kind of building there is, is the building up of people's faith. The Bible says to build one another up in love. And uh, that is the most important kind of building. So as we, yes, keep our building fund before us in the future, always and forever, let's always remember that the most important kind of building is building up one another in love. That's the greatest. And the way that we prove that we love God, right, is to love one another. 
Thanks for listening to this week's message from Gateway Life Church. For more information, please visit gatewaylifechurch.org.au. God bless and have a great day.